the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state, and national politics. And the real issues that really matter. You too can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes our roundtable regulars. On the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Good morning, Paul. Welcome. Good morning. Good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back. We missed you last week. Well, thank you. Uh... Thank you. <laughs> Good to have you back, Henry. Thank you. And it's always a treat when we're uh, joined by this uh, former official with two presidential administrations, Mark Everson. Mark, welcome. Good to talk to you. Nice to be with you, gentlemen. Morning, Mark. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. Well, last week we managed, uh, Henry, we, we managed to pull it off. You were... We, we had Wes Whitaker sit in for you, and uh, when we went to breaks, we, um, uh, during the uh, 11 o'clock hour, once the funeral started for Woodrow Stanley, we, uh, instead of going to the breaks that we usually play, we went to the live stream of Woodrow's uh, funeral for those two five-minute segments. Uh, that, that was uh, kind of interesting. You know, uh, I didn't realize that Woodrow was such a great man, and I sat next to his family across the aisle. I didn't know his daughters were so accomplished, so really well-positioned, great communicators, and they worked well together. I am so proud of him. I'm so proud I got a chance to know that about Woodrow. 
Well, it was kind of a special passing, and uh, and for Mark's benefit, Woodrow was a, a regular participant on the show, but he was a former mayor of the city of Flint. He'd served in the state house and on the county board of commissioners. He, he really was uh, well-versed in all things political from this region, and so it was uh, uh, kind of a personal loss for all of us, I think. Right. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, it was a very, very moving ceremony, uh, Henry. It was, it was, I was glad we were able to at least see parts of it on online. Yes. Well, I <laughs> usually it was the full house as well. <laughs> I usually start with um, a few quotes, and and the first one is always uh, where I ask you, "How would you finish this quote?" And, uh, and here's how it begins. One of these days, the people of Louisiana are going to what? Hmm. Wake up. <laughs> Move to Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Move to Michigan. I don't know. That's, 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 a, good, that's a good thought, Mark. Um, no, this is just something I, I threw in because of uh, yesterday, of course, was... Uh, the the big crescendo for uh, Mardi Gras and oh um, yeah and so I thought this would be an appropriate quote. The original quote goes like this: One of these days, the people of Louisiana are going to get good government, and they aren't going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like waking up. <laughs> so so I do have to tell. Uh, you know who said that. Here. You know who no. said Huey that Long. quickly? Huey Long. It was. It was, in fact, Huey Long. Oh. Okay, go <laughs> ahead, Mark. No, uh, last night, my son and I went out to eat at the uh, local Mexican restaurant, Aztecas, which we frequent quite a bit just because of his sports schedule and different things. But anyway, and the mayor of Goche was there. That's a part-time position. And he's a very lively guy. And he was at the bar, and uh, as had many people, he'd been there a while, let's say, because it was Fat Tuesday. So um, so I said to him, I came in, I said, Casey, what are you doing here? I, you were supposed to be given given the response to the President's State of the Union speech tonight. And he said, who told you that? You know? <laughs> 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 anyway... <laughs> Uh, people have a good time down here for Mardi Gras. So. I would think so. Well, just before we started uh, armchair politics, I played uh, just some some segments from last night's State of the Union and the Republican response. I was surprised to see uh, promoted. I didn't um, I didn't get a chance to include it or or get it recorded or or do any edits from it. But um, Rashid Talib was given yeah. a, a Democratic response <laughs> to, the, to, to the president. In fact, I, I saw a story said there were two Democratic responses. There was one from Rashida Tlaib, and there was one from the Black Caucus. So I, I didn't happen to see the, the response, but I saw a story that mentioned it. So, so I was surprised to see, in effect, two Democratic responses that were scheduled, at least. Well, it, right. got, me, it got me thinking. I've, you know, I've, I've had alternate party responses before and used bits and pieces of them as as part of a playback uh, the day after uh, a big speech like the state of the union and um, 
And, and then I realized that very often those are the ones that are done during presidential years when you hear from the Libertarians and the Green Party mm. and all of that. Um, you know, when there's a presidential campaign, not so much during the midterm. So but I was surprised. It's kind of unusual to see, see the response from the same party. Uh, in fact, to see two responses from the same party. Yeah, I'm, well, we have the time. I'm surprised we didn't see more than one response from yeah. the Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> That's also true. Well, yeah, yeah. I told you the mayor Goche was. He would have been ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I thought the the president was uh, looked very, very capable last night. You know, I, whether you agree with his points or not, that's a different thing. But how he presents himself to the public, to Henry Hatter, and to the world. He well, looked uh, like I, he was our leader. I think it was very smart of him to put all of his comments about Ukraine and Russian sanctions and so on up front in the speech. Yeah. Because it, was, it started the whole speech on a very bipartisan note. Yes. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, the speech was fairly bipartisan, as those things often go. I mean, there were obviously parts that were not, but at least a significant part of it was. Um, so, and and well, I, I would, I, I'd like to let you know now that I am an American first, and then a black American secondly, and a partisan third. This is the country I live in. This is the country I was born in. This is the only country that I know. And that's why so many times you guys may not understand my position on issues, but I'm American first. Thank you. Yeah, there was well, one. I, yeah, go ahead, go ahead Mark. I, I was just going to say. So I thought it was it was a very uh, statesmanlike address. Um, I would say though that you know this was a, a couple overall points. One. You know, this Biden is sort of. There are two Bidens. One Biden is, hey, we're all going to work together. This is going to be great. We can do this. And then the other Biden is the one that demonizes the Republicans and and tries to control his caucus and 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 eke out narrow victories with razor thin margins that um, take the country really leftward. And and. Um, Last night we saw the you know the statesman the bipartisan person. The question is, it, it, does this represent a pivot or not? It, it it doesn't seem to because he then sort of recited the whole laundry list. He didn't say, hey, we're going to give ground on ABC now. Okay, he talked uh, he talked more about the deficit because he's courting Mansion. They say, but but that's yeah. uh, that's one thing. So time will tell whether he adjusts and whether the uh, whether the Real progressives, the AOCs, and the and others are sort of pushed aside to a degree. I don't know, but um, nothing that we saw last night would indicate that was the case because he listed all those things. There, there was, was the point there, I would. There was one moment where um, where the Republicans really lashed back over. Uh, he, yeah. he tried to he tried to get a, a dig in on uh, tax cuts. From the last right. administration, remember that. Here's a unlike yeah. the two trillion dollar tax cut passed in the previous administration, that benefited the top one yeah. percent of Americans. The American Rescue Plan. The American Rescue. <laughs> that part didn't go over so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, 
Uh, and the other point I was going to make is I think he, uh, look, his foreign policy, the uh, Obama-Biden stuff back in 2014 and then not enforcing the red line in Syria, uh, let alone the catastrophe in Afghanistan this last summer, all this helped embolden Putin. So he, he sort of had to come out and say, hey, I am in charge here. And he's, I agree with everybody who says the last few weeks have been uh, – have been much stronger by him. But what's really been incredible is the pivot by Western Europe, in particular Germany, in the last uh, yeah. four days. Yeah. Very, very dramatic. And I do think that he missed an opportunity to lead here. When, when the holder of the largest arsenal of nuclear missiles says, I am upping the alert level on my nuclear forces, you do not say we will not send troops into the Ukraine. You say we will do whatever it takes to get the Russians to stand down. You know, he tried something, Mark, that I thought was a a little bit um, slicker than I'm used to seeing Joe Biden because he he pivoted from saying we're not going to put troops in Ukraine to take on Russians but we will defend all of our NATO allies. Oh yeah, powerful. He drew the line there, I agree that. Every inch. And it was almost like he was saying come on NATO, come on Ukraine, get it together, get Ukraine into NATO and then I can. react that way at least that's kind of how i was reading it mark and maybe i was reading too much into it i think you are a little maybe a little too favorable i i i I think he honestly believes that the sanctions uh, will will break putin now it remains to be seen it's only what i find uh heartening about this is that the sanctions for the first time are directed towards the russian people which is a good thing because uh, the, the oligarchs they're going to live fine even if they can't go to Bermuda or someplace. But uh, you've got to affect the Russian people if you're ever going to get any yeah. real change here. And and some some organizations are getting this and others are not. The the soccer people are saying, all right, we're not going to play in Russia. Yeah. The Russian team. Can't. But today I read that the, uh, the tennis announced Russian teams can't play, but Russian citizens can still play on the tour. That's hmm. ridiculous. We're either going to get all of the leaders of Russia, meaning tennis stars too, to pay a price, or or we're we're not going to be successful. The, the the Russians are tough; they're extremely tough, and they can wait out Western uh, sanctions to a large degree because they're used to misery. That's the sad part. The people are used to misery, and that's 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 a real dynamic. So. Uh, Putin, Putin can keep going for a while unless somebody, you know, somebody puts a bullet in his head. And the only way somebody's going to put a bullet in his head, I think, is if, if the cousins of the generals who are out there feeling the real pain because they're the Russian people say, "Hey, cousin, what are you, what's going on here? It's got to mm-hmm. be. It's it's that's uh, that's what I sort of think. And I, so I think Biden could be a little tougher here. Although I give him, it's a sea change from where he was. I think that's. That's got to be recognized. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to put a comma there so we can take a short break, but we'll pick it up there when we come back and uh, armchair politics continues right Everybody's after this. Everybody's doing 
doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom What are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, attorney general stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen... We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. 
Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. We all know, no matter what your ideology, we all know one of the most serious constitutional responsibilities a president has is nominating someone to serve on the United States Supreme Court. As I did four days ago, I've nominated the Circuit Court of Appeals, Katanji Brown Jackson, one of our nation's top legal minds, who continue in Justice Breyer's legacy of excellence. A former top litigator in private practice, a former federal public defender, from a family of public school educators and police officers. She's a consensus builder. Since she's been nominated, she's received a broad range of support, including the Fraternal Order of Police and former judges supported by Democrats and Republicans. Welcome back. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner program. And uh, we have our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Mark Everson. And welcome back, everybody. And I thought uh, since we uh, were on the subject of last night's uh, speech, I I had a quote set up, and and we're going to just skip past those. Uh, But one of them was set up about the president's uh, choice for the Supreme Court. Katanji um, Brown Jackson and I thought well as long as we're talking about last night's speech we might as well roll over to the Supreme Court pick do you think um, that the uh, confirmation process will be largely unencumbered Um, will she be uh, sitting on the Supreme Court when the next session starts in October let me let me go back very quickly, Tom. I just want to congratulate you. I think you're the first person in the decades that I've followed him to ever call um, Joe Biden slick. So, you know, <laughs> that's something new. Well, and that's why, that's why I found myself having to ask if I maybe read too much into it. <laughs> that's a term that was left to Clinton. Exactly. Slick, yeah, slick, slick really, remember? Sure, that was... Yeah, right, exactly. Well, and Tricky right. Dick. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, I no, no, that's, too rich. No, I'm, 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 I'm glad you called me out on that. Um, but, uh, but, but what about his pick for, uh, for the Supreme Court? Is this, uh, <laughs> is this kind of a smooth sale, really? I, was, I, I think the time has come when American people <clears throat> don't mind seeing this. I think she is a credible candidate. And she's the one of color, and this is what the American. And she's been through the process like before. She's yes, had Republican yes. support in, in previous yes, appointments. So I, Republican support. I mean, it's, it's going to be still a, probably a very fairly, you know, partisan yeah. vote generally. But I, I would expect to see a couple of Republicans come across, maybe a three or four at the most, yeah. perhaps. I I don't know. I think she might do better than that. I wouldn't be surprised if she yeah. got somewhere between sixty and seventy votes, just because. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, it it, it yeah. doesn't change the the balance of the court. She's clearly right. qualified. She's clearly qualified. Now I would have preferred um, 
the South Carolina uh, judge only because I, I I do think that there is this lock, and I say this as a Yale graduate. There are too many of the Ivy League uh, uh, credentialed yeah. elites on these courts. So I think, but look, public defender, this is she's got a, a compelling record in other ways, and I think in this time of make no mistake, despite what the president said about the unity agenda, there's going to be a lot of partisanship, and this would be a way for many Republicans to say, yes, okay. and Because I think people really do, <laughs> to some degree, yearn for those days when justices went through with 90 votes and, exactly. uh, or more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there was a time. So, and I think, the, I think her, 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 her uh, presentation when she was introduced, talking about the ties to the police, and even her... Was it her uncle who had a police record of some kind? She was very honest about that, and I think that right. too kind of serves her well. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, and uh, she's got great. She's not a um, a pugilist. She's cautious and she measures her words, and and I believe that she demonstrates that she really means it. Yeah, she's no. Uh, they, the Post had a long biography on her, going all the way back through school and high school, and she she was no radical. She said every bit of, t- and I'm paraphrasing here, the time we spent out on the streets were not uh, advancing our knowledge and ability to to do things, and we're hurting ourselves. And yeah, she's been I, she's been pretty darn cautious in how she's played it. Herself. I, I saw those quotes. You're exactly right. Yeah, she was not uh, at the fringes of anything. Yeah. So to answer your question, Tom, she goes through there. <laughs> Anybody is taking a real risk if they start to attack her personally, I think. She's yeah, and you've got all of the women who are supporting her, too, so you want to be cautious. So next, yeah. uh, next October, when the new session starts, she'll, she'll be all settled in by then. Yes. I think so. I think she will yeah. go through with flying colors. That's right. And she's not a Republican, but she will go through. Um, you know, I want to go back and talk some more about uh, about Ukraine because it's been all over the news. But I do want to touch on a few other things first. And Paul uh, always sends me over an email uh, the day before we get together. And, and sometimes our, our ideas of what stories we're going to pick up on and talk about are the same. And, and, uh, and sometimes they're very different. But... There was one, and I, I just I couldn't find a write-up on it to borrow from to, to include it today, but something you brought up was the uh, city council meeting Monday night where, oh, yeah. where several members were kicked out um, by uh, Eric Mays, who is serving as, as what, president? Council president, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, it was. It was. I was watching it. It was frankly, even by Eric May's standards, it was kind of a bizarre show. And he kicked out two of them because apparently they, he claimed they violated some rules about not not asking permission to leave their chairs. And oh, then yeah. shortly later, a few, little later, <laughs> uh, two or three others just left and that ended the quorum and ended the meeting. Uh, but it was a strange, strange show. I. As I say, even by, by Flint City Council standards, it was a very bizarre meeting. But nobody got arrested. 
Well, technically, Eva Worthing was let out by police. Now, she wasn't handcuffed or anything. She was leaving anyhow. But, but Eric asked her, asked the police to lead her out uh, because of her. He claimed she violated some rule of his. And the, the, the police officer did come over and walked with her as she left the room. But, as I say, there was no handcuffing, and I wouldn't call it an arrest. Uh, Were you there, Paul? No, I was watching online. You were, you were watching the stream. I, I just yeah. wonder, is is the gallery uh, starting to fill up with people again, or well, yeah, are people the fact taking there were, there, advantage there were, of the, the, the stream more? Yeah, no, they, they, they were, from the, what I saw, there were more people than usual in the gallery, because there was that big issue about that the market they were trying to open in the North End, so I presume some of the folks were there for that. But compared to compared to what I've seen in in recent months, there were more people than usual, at least in the gallery. Uh, and again, as the meeting dragged on and got more tedious, people did leave. But there was, uh, I don't know, ballpark guess, I would say a good dozen or 20 people that I saw when they panned the camera around. And that's a little more than some, some evenings. Now, I saw some pundit on TV recently uh, talking about the, the city council meetings and the impact they might have on uh, uh, people moving uh, businesses and creating <laughs> jobs in Flint. Who could that have been? Yeah. Who, who was that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, that, like I said, that was one of the stranger meetings I saw. And then not only was it a strange meeting, but then I saw the clips of that meeting were then popping up on Facebook and being passed around all over the place. So I'd say it's, it's not going to serve the reputation of Flint very well, I don't think, to see that kind of stuff. Uh, it was an odd performance by Eric Mays. Well, if Eric Mays can, <clears throat> uh, for example, move the council closer to working with the mayor, he would be successful. So that I know. he would make the council and city government look worthwhile, and people wouldn't mind moving their businesses into Flint. But they won't come with the the kind of uh, activity that goes on in the city council at the moment. Well, apparently one of the issues that was kicking around, and I don't know how many people were, invo were involved, was that apparently some council members were connected to this this market or invested in this market in some way. Again, beyond that, I don't know any details and I don't know any names. But... Uh, there was a debate about whether or not those who were connected to this market ought to uh, recuse themselves from voting on it. And that took up an awful lot of squabbling and arguing during the meeting. Huh. Well, I see that... Um, now, I did get an, an email from the clerk's office that was the notice that went out to the council people um, for their make-good meeting. <laughs> so they, they're supposed to get together tonight or tomorrow night to finish the agenda from Monday oh, night's good meeting. Luck. <laughs> um, but the yeah. uh, but there's there's another one. It must be uh, tomorrow night for that special meeting because the uh, city council is holding a meeting tonight at uh, 5:30 p.m. at Asbury United Methodist Church. It's the third in a series of community meetings to discuss the distribution of American Rescue Plan Act funds. And um, let's see, uh, Flint's in line to receive $94.7 million in ARPA funds. 
to respond to the negative economic uh, impact of COVID-19. Both Mayor Sheldon Neely and the council have scheduled meetings to hear residents' opinions on spending priorities. ARPA funds can be used to support public health expenditures, replace lost public sector revenue, provide premium pay for essential workers, and to invest in water, sewer, and broadband infrastructure. How do you think these funds should be spent, and how do you think these funds will be spent? Hmm. <laughs> well, I was going to say, in terms of what we've talked about it before, I think since they are one-term one funds, they ought to be spent for long-term investments that can really build a foundation for the city. I think how they will be spent is probably something that's going to help individual wards in the next six months or next year, unfortunately. But that's just my guess. Well, I think you're right. I, I think we should uh, prioritize spending in a way that uh, that will benefit the people in most uh, need. Uh, that will help to stabilize the city. Otherwise, for the people out there who proclaim that they've been left behind, stuff like that, they will never stabilize the uh, uh, the environment in front with that with those kind of of uh, feelings. I think you're right. And I, I've been saying I think I think once we get past the uh, the uh, the COVID funds, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the city facing another you know financial crisis, financial takeover, mm-hmm. a couple of years down the road. I think it's a real possibility. Yeah. Well, I I enjoyed uh, what the president said in his speech last night when he said, um, and there was no equivocating about it at all. He said. I'm going to fix 16,400 miles of roads and 1,500 bridges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And see, well, he's dropping least, the bucket, though. He didn't, he, at least he didn't say, I'm going to fix the damn roads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was, look, it was in many ways a typical State of the Union speech where you cite all of the good facts and uh, exaggerate on on some of the other things. I mean, like in this in that same section of the speech, if, if I'm not wrong, he talked about how he brought down the deficit by by more than a trillion dollars, never been done before. Well, if they'd passed all that legislation, all the spending he wanted to do, it would have grown. I mean, come on, you can't, you can't have it both ways. He was, he was, he was a real politician in some of that, uh, some of that section of the speech. I would say. And, and you got to remember that uh, his speech was not necessarily his own. This was a collection of all of the gurus and advisors and. Yes. Uh, Theocrats and stuff like that. Yeah, that state of the unions together. are like that. They're yeah, kind of a and, shopping and, list of every department gets yeah. gets a paragraph. So he's not he's not representing all of those thoughts by himself, but he's accepting the advice from others as well, which is smart. Well, yeah. but in the, you're 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 right, Andy. The, the way you put together a state of the union speech, it's uh, it's a group grope, so to speak. And <laughs> and uh, I I remember, you prob, you gentlemen probably won't remember this, but. In one of his State of the Union speeches, uh, President George W. Bush talked about steroids in athletes and how bad they were. And people sort of scratched their head and said, how did that get into the speech? (laughs) Well, six months later, uh, the Justice Department, and I was standing there with the Attorney General, 
we did the indictment in Balco, the steroids case out in California. And uh, because you remember this, it all led to Barry Bonds and all this other oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and so it was a mm. big moment. And people came to me after that and said, now we know how that steroids thing got in this case. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway but, uh, yeah, there, you're right. There's a lot of there's competition for getting ideas into that speech. And it's, if, if it's something is not in there, you're, the president is seen as walking away from something he had committed to earlier. That's that's the real yeah. reality. Yes, hey, Mark. When you were at uh, at IRS or um, at INS, uh, did did you ever get anything into the State of the Union? No, those the IRS would not be consulted on things like that, or the INS. That's, <laughs> that they is, just make uh, their own decisions, don't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well. Fortunately, we did at the IRS in my day. But, but, but uh, and I say that just because there should be separation between that agency and, and anybody who's political. It's not a, it's not a crack at the, the Bush administration. They were great. I've got to say, uh, never in my four years of running that place did somebody try to reach in. Never. And, uh, but what would happen, Tom, is you would have, uh, there's a White House policy staff and a speech writing staff. They would be developing the speech and then they would they check with the relevant uh, departments uh, treasury or justice or state when things are being put together to make sure they've got the facts straight they know the policy but you've got to get the facts uh, correct so it's a long-term process what was different here was they the fact that they had to redo so much of the speech because of really rapidly developing events in the ukraine that that was different yeah, I think that was uh, that was a little bit tough. Some sometimes you can get a copy of the speech ahead of the speech, and I've I've done that before when I was recording the speech. I would have, you know, a hard copy version, and I'd be reading along and making marks, you know, as to what things I wanted to edit out. I couldn't I couldn't find a full text of that speech last night. Well, I'm sure they were waiting because they they didn't want some very late development in the Ukraine or some statement by Putin mm. to be require a revision to what the president was saying. And uh, so I think they handled all that well. And they there was nothing in there that was was a problem, if you will, of that type nature. One of the things that he brought up in the speech, and it was something that Paul had on his list with with more of a, a local perspective, but um, two Genesee County school districts are ditching mandatory mask requirements uh, as COVID-19 cases continue to fall this, uh, this past month. Uh, Grand Plank Community Schools, uh, Genesee County's largest district, and Kersley Community Schools both announced uh, this week that they are rescinding mandatory mask requirements. Um, and the, the president did a walk back on uh, mask requirements and, and kind of pulled away from his uh, uh, former tougher stand on it. But the question I have is, and, and he said the rationale for that was because uh, so many people had been vaccinated that, 
you know, we could really start getting back to normal. Um, should vaccination rates be a factor in setting mask policies? Well, that's what, that's how I, I mean, think. Maybe one factor. It could be one factor, but to, particularly as these new variants emerge, the, always the question is, will the new variant uh, be blocked by, by current vaccinations? I mean, that, that's, that's always a future issue, I think. I think that's that's all true, but the the reality here is that he had no choice. Um, Democratic governors yeah. all all over the country, people have had it with the virus. Yeah. They are yeah. they are moving yeah. on, and and the administration has been leading from behind on this. And um, you know, they they had to give up because people people have had it, and and. Yeah. And if New York and California are saying go back to business as normal, uh, the federal government can't stand, uh, it can't sit there as as an island. It just makes it makes uh, the Biden administration look more and more remote from the people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was <clears throat> I was often always struck by the uh, the truckers' protests about the mandates, and the mandates were just kind of falling by the wayside all over the place. Anyhow, uh, it seems very strange. And that's um, and I'm glad you brought that up. We we just have about two and a half minutes before we go to break, but I, I wanted to mention there there was a lot of oh chatter and the rumor mill was all full of truck drivers descending on the Capitol, you know, for the president's State of the Union address. I didn't see any of that. Did anybody? Yeah, else? I heard no mention of it either. And they, that was all night. <laughs> They had barriers up around the Capitol and everything, too. Well, that yeah, it looked like they were preparing, you know, they were loading for bear, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. At least if, if anything happened, I didn't hear any mention of it. Yeah, this was a case where people wanted to start a movement, and uh, that's so crazy when our country's so divided and, and threatened by foreign uh, war and stuff like that and, and catastrophes, and we're... we're uh, starting movements on things that don't matter much. And, and then uh, here's here's one. I don't know if I have time to get it in before the break. Probably not. Now nah, I'll save this for after the break. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those economist things where, you know, on the one hand, but on the other hand. <laughs> and... Uh, and it's about Michigan's economy. Well, maybe I can go ahead and squeeze it in. The Pew uh, Charitable Trust said Michigan had the biggest drop in personal income among all 50 states between 2020 and 2021. Yet an editorial last week in Bloomberg News was headlined, Woman in Michigan Governs the Number One Economy. <laughs> it can both be true. <laughs> <laughs> and what is Depends the, on how you look at the statistics. And what is a fair take on Michigan's economy? Hmm. Haven't thought about it. But there's no way that I can compare it with others. See, that's... I have to see something. Data. Well, I'm I'm thinking, is is the shrinkage of it because they can't sell cars because of the chips and so forth? I... I was struck driving around Flint the other day about how many lots are full of oh, trucks and cars waiting to be sold. They're, they're, they're parking unfinished uh, assembly 
line cars in uh, people's driveways, I think. Just about, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've got to take a short break, but we'll be back with more armchair politics on the Tom Sumner program after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues now on the Tom Sumner Program with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by... Mark Everson, and uh, you know, we were just talking about some things here from the state. We're going to get back to talking about uh, Ukraine and, and sanctions and, and other things uh, coming up in the second half of armchair politics. But um, a recent survey shows Michigan voters generally approve of the state's inaugural citizen-led independent redistricting commission and want voters not politicians, to draw the state's political boundaries in the future. 65% of Michigan voters surveyed said that the redistricting commission made up of randomly selected voters should continue to draw Michigan's political districts instead of handing the job back to state lawmakers. The preference is the same regardless of party affiliation. Will public opinion have any impact on current and future lawsuits over newly drawn district maps? Hmm. I wouldn't think well, of lawsuits, no, but I was going to say that the fact that there's there's kind of unhappiness on both sides may be a sign that the uh, commission is working well, that nobody's going to be totally happy with this. <laughs> uh, but, but that's that's the idea. If, if somebody was thoroughly pleased with it, that meant somebody uh, drew the districts to favor themselves. Yeah, and you know, I, I think uh, the process that they're using now is a good process because it pulls politicians out of the process and let the structure that's created be from the people. From the people, there's where all of the authority is vested. We need to let the people go because they are, when they collectively work on these issues, they are without bias. Whatever comes out of there is what they want. And I think uh, we who belong to political parties and believe in different ways of doing things are an impediment to the process. But I do think I like what's being drawn up. And, you know, I, I'm thinking this is maybe the first time the, the public has really had a chance to see at least some of the process and all this, this district drawing. I mean, in the past, it was just done and all of a sudden presented to the public, and here's your new district. <laughs> they that knew less different. about redistricting than they knew about the Electoral College. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And they're still kind of fuzzy on both, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was still a messy process, and it was, it was not perfect, and there were, you know, complaints from 
all sides about what you could have done this, you could have done that. But all things considered, I think it worked reasonably well. I, you know, yeah. I think one of the things that's that's really tricky about um, this this trend of of trying to change the way we do redistricting around the country. Um, the Supreme Court has tried to stay out of it, but has found itself ruling in cases that involved um, race and uh, yeah. and and African American districts, and they've they've actually built a gerrymander into the system by weighing in on those cases. And so now there's always this rationale for questioning the drawing of the district if it, you know, can, if it can be made out to look like it's somehow being harmful to a, you know, a, a group of black people right. in, in particular yeah. in, in inner cities anyway. And that was a big issue here in Michigan, where there were the, there are the complaints that uh, several of the so-called majority minority districts in Detroit were drawn, so they were no longer majority minority districts. They may still be Democratic slightly, but they were less so. So, yeah, those issues were raised here. And and there's still the question of whether they even after the Supreme Court weighs in and make all of these edicts and stuff. But there's still a question as to whether they're really workable and they're meaningful because they put them in districts that so only one party can win. That's what we got against uh, uh, the Democrats in Washington who wants to make Washington a state. But see, but see that's, what's, but that's what's funny about, about this process that you have to be careful about is when you're drawing these, these districts, when it, when it was prescribed constitutionally the notion was that it was going to be an equal number of people and there was there was nothing said about whether they were republican or democrat or black or white or male or female you know that that was irrelevant it was just uh uh, what it, what is it for a congressional district? About ten thousand people. I, I I can't remember. No, I think seven hundred seventy thousand for congressional. Yeah, is that what 000. it is? Yeah, I I must be thinking of one of the state seats, but it but it's um. But it's just the number of people, and and I think this is one of the things that made the Supreme Court really nervous about weighing into this at all. Um, Henry, I don't think the goal was ever to make it a coin toss Fair, for whether, <laughs> whether it would be Republican or Democrat. I, th I think we know if we just put a grid down that there are going to be some neighborhoods that are more black than white, there are going to be some neighborhoods that are more Republican than Democrat, and so on. But that shouldn't be a reason for changing the way the line is drawn. Yeah, but but the, the problem is that whatever you create, that system should be a reflection of how the American people perform in the political process. But in this process, throughout the district and things, 
You know, what was um, interesting here in yeah, Michigan is that the, the guidelines were that they were supposed to, when they drew the lines, they were supposed to keep what they call communities of interest together. And the question was exactly what is a community of interest? Does that mean people who are part of a, the same city, a racial group, a religious group, some other sense of geography? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very unclear exactly what that phrase meant. But the idea was that uh, if possible, they were supposed to try and keep these, quotes communities of interest together in the same district. And uh, again, it's a very vague, very vague term. Let me just weigh in here briefly. Yeah, um, go ahead, Mark. This this uh, development or this exercise has received some national attention. I've read about it a couple times, and I am struck. I'm always struck by Michigan because you have things like this where it's a it's taking a oh it, it's it's a disservice to call it a middle of the road, but it's taking a very balanced approach to something. You're trying to take the politics out, and you have and you also have the uh, state senior state legislators who, who who rebuffed Trump after the election in the terms of trying to you know invalidate the count and everything else. But on the other hand, you have some of the most partisan uh, uh, political activity that's around the country. Some of the extremes are there. So it's just it's quite amazing to watch that mix of the two sorts of uh, features, if you will, of, of Michigan. Maybe that. Maybe that means that the economics are also inconsistent the way you pose, Tom. <laughs> but but it's interesting to watch it, and it, I do find it, as everybody said, I find it somewhat hopeful that they're grappling with this the way you have, in contrast to some of the Republican or, frankly, Democratic states too that are just you know still pressing business as usual on on using the. Uh, Using the advantages of, of uh, whoever's controlling the state legislators, legislatures, legislatures, and the and the governorship. So I think it's a hopeful development that you're grappling with this there. Oh yeah, I, I do too, and and I think we all do, Mark. I, I think it's one of those things, and and you know, there's a whole interesting backstory. Maybe sometime we'll we'll have a chat on the phone, and I'll I'll tell you the whole story. But but very quickly, the Reader's Digest version is. There was a girl who started a Facebook um, page to draw awareness to how district lines were drawn, and and it it grew it it grew and went viral and turned into a nonprofit organization and they started petitions and they actually got an initiative on the ballot and the thing carried by about sixty percent. Yeah, and, and so well, that's that's the democracy. That's a good thing. Oh, it was completely uh, grassroots up, and in in uh, a fascinating process. What was interesting is how people got involved. I mean, this is really a very inside baseball kind of thing, where the average voter rarely paid attention to this kind of stuff. But as you say, Tom, it people really took a look at it, and it, the petition got very quick support and substantial votes in the end. It was quite surprising. Well, it was kind of interesting. It was on the heels of that that whole period of time during uh, uh, revelations about the Flint water crisis, when when city residents became citizen scientists, and everybody was running <laughs> yeah. around with test tubes and chemicals and stuff. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, one other quick thing before we uh, break at the top of the hour, um, just that uh, Governor Whitmer declared she's going to run for re-election. Any surprise there? (laughs) 
No surprise yeah. there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Well, with uh, with that in mind, we are going to come back and talk about um, the um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and some of the sanctions and and some of the back and forth on that. We'll talk about the president's uh, speech last night some more when armchair politics part two continues after we uh, break for show id as we do at the top of the hour and split the uh, show into two parts we have uh, our roundtable regulars flint's premier political pundit paul rosicki on the left longtime genesee county republican henry hatter on the right and joining the roundtable this week always a treat when uh, he joins us from mississippi mark everson sitting in on the uh, on the round table this week. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 